Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. Get ready because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. Thanks for stopping by. Lots to talk about today. If you're new to the show, welcome. If you're just finding me after uh, after I left Conservative Daily, welcome back. This is the Max McGuire Show, my new podcast. This goes live for now, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Probably going to switch next week to every day. It's kind of gearing, <laughs> kind of settling into it. But 1 p.m. Eastern is our time slot right now. I think it works. Let me know in the comment section whether you think this time slot works. And if you can't watch during this time slot, the great thing is you can go back and watch the Rumble video after the fact. That's where we're streaming right now, Rumble. And the podcast is available in audio form on Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podbean, um, all great places. So check it out there. And if you do have an Apple device, I'll ask you again, if you haven't already, please do leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Helps us climb up in the rankings. Helps more people organically see us. I know a lot of you have left five-star reviews, and I really do appreciate it. Well, let's get into the topic of today's show. And that is the fact that the backstabbing rhinos, the Republicans, the so-called conservatives, have already started, have already started stabbing us in the back, have already started flipping. On screen right now, you can see eight different Republican senators. You have Lindsey Graham, you have Mitt Romney, right? You have Lisa Murkowski, you have Susan Collins, you have Roy Blunt, Rob Portman, um, Pat Toomey. All these guys, these are the eight Republicans who are most likely, most likely to flip and vote for Joe Biden's radical nominee, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. So today is actually, uh, I planned this podcast yesterday. And when I planned this podcast yesterday, this was all a hypothetical. These were all just hypotheticals saying, hey, it sounds like someone is going to flip. Don't know who yet. Well, we do know who flipped. The first one to flip was Susan Collins. She made that announcement this morning. She made that announcement this morning that she will vote for Katanji Brown Jackson. Susan Collins, senator from Maine, the first to flip. And that virtually guarantees that she will be confirmed because we already know, we already know from Joe Manchin, put that up on the screen, we already know from Joe Manchin that he will vote for her as well. Um, the only holdout is Kirsten Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, Democrat senator from Arizona. She likes to keep this close to the vest. She very rarely announces how she's going to vote on big nominations like this. But just to put in perspective, the last 42 judges that Joe Biden has nominated, she has voted for every single one of them. So she is pretty much a given, though she pretends to be this moderate who likes to think things through. Joe Manchin's decision announcement he was going to vote for her, that basically seals it with a 50%, 50 votes in the Senate, plus a tiebreaker from uh, Vice President Kamala Harris. Republicans now see it's a given they don't feel like they need to vote against her. So Susan Collins is the first one to come out and now back her. She had said from the beginning that Ketanji Brown-Jackson could win her vote. 
said from the beginning that she could win her vote. And she said they had a productive meeting. Then, just two days ago, we heard from Collins, oh, pop-ups, heard from Collins that she was going to have a follow-up meeting, follow-up call with Katanji Brown-Jackson. So this was all basically already pre-baked. We knew she was going to cave. We knew it. We knew she was going to cave. What's unfortunate, what really is unfortunate, is that more Republicans seem ready to do so as well. Hit that rumble button if you haven't already. Help us reach more people. Share this. Uh, I am working on trying to get a, a text system set up, um, an email notification set, set up for when we go live. I imagine as more people get comfortable to our live stream, more people will come and watch. We've had lots of downloads, lots of after-the-fact uh, views. Really do appreciate that. But hit that rumble button if you can so that we can hopefully reach more people. So Susan Collins obviously just won re-election. She doesn't need to run for re-election for a while. She has nothing to worry about. And I've said this for a long time. There are few things more dangerous than a Republican in Congress or in the, in the House of Representatives or in the Senate who no longer has to worry about losing their job. Susan Collins just won a very tough re-election, re- re-election race. She doesn't have to worry about it. She has a few years. So she can, she can stab Republicans in the back and then swoop in later and, and say, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's what they do. That's what the Republicans do. They hope that you're going to forget. They hope that you have a short memory and that in just a couple months time, you go back to donating to them again. But we can't let that happen. So Susan Collins doesn't have to worry about this. She doesn't have to worry about the wrath of the American electorate. And frankly, Maine is a purple state. Leans blue, leans red sometimes. It's a purple state. She probably thinks that this is going to actually help her in the long run. So that's one. That's one Republican. The next Republican we have to worry about is Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney has said very openly, very clearly, that he is thinking very hard about voting for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. He also criticized the line of questioning from Republicans last week, challenging Jackson's lenient sentences towards child um, pornography traffickers, towards pedophiles, something that's it really is disgusting. There was another case that, that we just started reading into. The guy had 6,500 examples of child pornography, and she gave him the minimum sentence allowed by law, 60 months in prison, when the government, I believe, had asked for over 90 months. So for whatever reason, this woman has a soft spot for pedophiles. She has a soft spot for uh, child pornography traffickers. I did have a chance to read an article that she wrote in, uh, I think it was the Harvard Law Review, um, basically saying that that sex offenders deserve a second chance. Sex offenders um, are treated wrong in society. So she has a soft spot. She has a soft spot, which, which, listen, there are plenty of people who are technically registered sex offenders who probably shouldn't be. I know, actually, I know one person in college who got added to a sex offender registry because he was taking a leak outside of a building, um, just peeing on the side of the building. A cop rolled up, saw he was exposing himself, charged him with indecent exposure, charged him with indecent exposure, and all of a sudden he is a registered sex offender. So it happens. It, it absolutely happens. There are cases like that. Those are not the cases that Katanji Brown Jackson was uh, adjudicating. She, she, the cases brought before her were federal crimes, people in possession of nasty, nasty images. And as, we, as I mentioned on the last 
podcast, um, the the one in question, the one that everyone's really been talking about, the 18-year-old who on Christmas Day was downloading and uploading child pornography, who only got three months as part of his sentence from Judge Jackson, he reoffended a few years later. He was brought back before her in 2019, and she sentenced him to even more time in, I guess, some kind of halfway house for pedophiles and forced him to upload, uh, d- download monitoring software onto his computer because he was reoffending. So Mitt Romney takes offense to that line of questioning. Mitt Romney, again, this, these are Utah Mormon values, apparently. Mitt Romney takes offense to questioning a woman why, time and time again, she feels the need to give pedophiles and child pornography traffickers the bare minimum allowed by law. He apparently thinks that that's off limits. And that's what he said. He said that, that, that crossed the line, the questioning. And that's something that we saw from Democrats all week last week. Anytime a Republican challenged Judge Jackson on any of these issues, they claimed it was out of line. Here I was thinking about what they did to Kavanaugh. And I'm thinking that that's the standard for out of line. Asking a judge why she sentenced terrible criminals to such low sentences. That's not out, out of bounds. That's what these hearings are supposed to be for. But the Democrats said it was out of bounds. Mitt Romney says it's out of bounds. Now Mitt Romney is considering voting for her as well. You got Lisa Murkowski. Lisa Murkowski is the wild card. Senator from Alaska. Lisa Murkowski, um, we don't know. She is actually in the middle of a really tight re-election, a primary challenge in Alaska. A conservative is challenging her. And it looks like the conservative is going to win. So she's in a tough spot. Normally, she would have been a given for this. She would have voted for Judge Jackson, passed it through, and she would have smiled about it. But now she actually has to face Republican voters in Alaska, which is why we haven't heard from her yet. But I will say, I, I will say that when you look at what happened in 2021, last year, when the Senate was voting on Judge Jackson to become a uh, appeals court judge, there were three Republicans who voted for her. Then Susan Collins, who we've already talked about. Lindsey Graham voted for her last year. Lindsey Graham has kind of insinuated that he isn't going to vote for her again this time. But honestly, the fact that he's already voted for her once, knowing all this information, don't really trust him. The third was Lisa Murkowski. She voted for Judge Jackson last year. Also up there is Roy Blunt from Missouri. He did not vote. We'll talk about him in just a minute. So we know that Lisa Murkowski voted for her last year, just a year ago. When it came time to decide whether or not to put her on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, the second most powerful court in the entire United States, Lisa Murkowski said, I. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Yeah, she'll be a good judge. She put her on the appeals court. So pardon me that I don't trust her to do the right thing now because she's already proven that she has terrible judgment. And that she's willing to rubber stamp Joe Biden's radical nominees. So she's probably going to be yes. The o- again, the only thing that's gonna pro- that might stop her is the fact that she's facing a conservative primary challenge. And she's currently losing if the polls are to be believed. But Murkowski is the next one. Then we got Rob Portman, senator from Ohio. Rob Portman announced just last week that he is undecided. Imagine watching that hearing. Imagine watching 
Judge Jackson, we haven't even really talked about this on the podcast that much, say that she can't define what a woman is because she's not a biologist. Not a biologist, so she can't define what a woman is. And in the very next breath, she says she's proud to be the first female black Supreme Court nominee. So she obviously knows enough to judge the fact that she is, in fact, female. But apparently she can't make that determination for anyone else because she's not a biologist. Imagine listening to that. Imagine listening to that and understanding that, th that this woman, if confirmed, would be responsible for deciding cases, including issues um, like transgender athletes in women's sports. Right? That's a big issue that will be reaching the Supreme Court. Mark my words, it will get there. And if she's on the bench, how can she possibly rule on that issue? If after all of her years of education, after all of her experience, she sits before the United States Senate and says she cannot tell them what a woman is. I mean, my son is four years old and he can tell the difference between a boy and a girl. This is, this is basic stuff. We're led to believe that Katanji Brown Jackson, through all of her pedigree, through all of her great education, all of her experience, all of the time spent on sentencing boards, right? Her time as a district judge, her time as an appellate judge, now hopefully to become a Supreme Court justice, her time volunteering at schools. We're led to believe that in all of that time, she never actually learned what a female is. But she knows she's a female. I guess that's just one of those things that you just know it. You know it when you see it. How could she possibly issue a fair ruling on, on an issue like transgender athletes in women's sports? Because that will get there. How will she possibly be able to issue a fair ruling if you look at things like the, uh, the Dear Colleague letter? I remember back in the Obama years, the Department of Education sent a dear, what they, what's called the Dear Colleague letter to universities around the country telling them basically to treat male um, male uh, suspects of rape and sexual assault essentially as guilty until proven innocent to flip the entire concept of justice that this country is built on and do the opposite. The Obama administration sent all the colleges and universities in the United States a letter telling them to treat male suspected rapists and sexual uh, assault suspects as guilty and have them prove that they're innocent. Well, how could... I mean, that case, the cases like that have been working their way through the courts. How could Judge Jackson ever possibly issue an opinion, participate in that kind of decision making if she can't tell you the difference between <laughs> XX chromosomes and XY chromosomes? I mean, come on, you don't have to be a biologist. So imagine being Rob Portman, which I also, I believe he is also not running for reelection, which is why he's up here. If you're not running for re-election, you cannot be trusted as a Republican. Republicans vote left more than any other time when they announce that they are no longer running for re-election. Remember Mitt Romney? Uh, sorry, remember, uh, sorry, remember Paul Ryan? When Paul Ryan announced that he wasn't going to run again? All of a sudden, he starts pushing through leftist bills. Now, you can't trust a Republican. That's when the Republicans are their most dangerous. And Rob Portman apparently watched all of that, watched the complete mess that was those hearings and still says that he's undecided, still can't make up his mind. So one of the other ones is, is Roy Blunt. I mentioned him he, when Ketanji Brown Jackson was up for a vote for the appeals court last year. Roy Blunt, senator from Missouri, he, he didn't vote. 
So I don't know all the specifics about why he didn't vote, but it's a little interesting that when you have a judge, which we already knew all about her sentencing for pedophiles and, and child porn traffickers, that was all known last year. These are old cases. To not vote is a huge, huge red flag. So Roy Blunt is another one of those wild cards because Roy Blunt is on the record saying, quote, he doesn't want to rush this decision because he, quote, really liked to vote for the first black woman to go on the court, end, end quote. I will say that again. Roy Blunt, Republican senator for the state of Missouri, is on the record saying that he really wants to be able to vote for the first black woman nominated to the Supreme Court. You can see how the narrative of sex and race that the left has tried to create here to bolster this radicals nomination. You can see how that has even infected Republican senators. Republican senator from Missouri does not need to worry about backlash for voting against Joe Biden's nominee. That's not going to lose you Missouri people. But this is what he truly believes. He truly believes he truly believes that she should get a chance, and he wants to be part of that history. He wants to be known as one of the Republicans who broke ranks and voted for this woman simply because she's a black woman. I mean, I've talked about this before. The fact that Joe Biden only considered African-American women for this federal vacancy is likely illegal. Federal law is very clear. It's very clear on the matter that you cannot, you cannot nominate someone, you cannot hire someone simply on the basis of their gender or their race. You also can't say no Catholics. Right? You can't say no, no Muslims, no Jews. You can't do that. That's a violation of the law. It's a violation of the Civil Rights Act. And yet Joe Biden unapologetically came out and said he was only going to consider black women. Now, I'm sure that there are many black women out there who are more qualified than Ketanji Brown Jackson and probably less sympathetic to child porn traffickers and pedophiles. So that I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble and assume that Democrat judges would ever do such a thing. I know that Lindsey Graham was pushing for a judge, a, a black female judge in South Carolina because he wanted to rep South Carolina. She was a little bit more moderate than some of the others. I'm sure that there were reasonable nominees that if Joe Biden truly wanted to have a bipartisan consensus, wanted to bring the country together, as he's always promised, he probably could have gone that route. It's interesting that the Republicans are now complaining that when the White House gave them the packet of all of Ketanji Brown Jackson's cases, noticeably missing were a few different child pornography cases. The White House deliberately kept them out. So, uh, listen, I, I know that this isn't the most important thing in this country. I know that we have lots of other issues to deal with. It feels like that's the only thing I'm, I'm talking about or thinking about since we haven't gone to a daily podcast yet for this. But we really can't have a Supreme Court justice with a soft spot for this stuff. We just can't. Joe Biden doesn't care. I mean, frankly, if, if we're being completely honest, Joe Biden probably sees that as a plus considering the stuff that he is alleged to have gotten into, considering the stuff that Hunter Biden is alleged to have gotten into, I'm sure the Biden family would love, would love to have someone like Ketanji Brown Jackson on the bench. So we have Roy Blunt, right? We have Roy Blunt. We have Romney, already mentioned Romney, Murkowski. 
you have Portman. I've already mentioned Portman. Portman. Um, the issue, issue is now going to be North Carolina. Not Tom Tillis, but Richard Burr. Richard Burr. Here, Richard Burr is right here. Here you go. There you go, little guy. Richard Burr, senator from North Carolina, is not running for re-election. I have him up there for that reason and also for the fact that when Donald Trump was impeached the second time, he voted to convict. Richard Burr cannot be trusted. He is not really a conservative. And I, I hate using that phrase because I am not a fan of logical fallacies. I try to avoid logical fallacies as much as possible. One of the logical fallacies I hate more than any other is the no true Scotsman fallacy. The no true Scotsman fallacy is basically um, if you're in a conversation, you're like, oh, Scotsmen love to eat their haggis this way. And someone says, no, that's disgusting. No true Scotsman would ever eat their haggis that way. It's, it's insinuating that, uh, <laughs> that there's only one way for a class of people to do something. Right. So I, I don't like using that language, but he's proven time and time again that he can't be trusted to vote in a conservative manner on these issues. And the fact that he's even up on the screen, the fact that he voted to to convict Donald Trump. I mean, just just think about that. Donald Trump gave a speech at the ellipse in the National Mall. I mean, walking, that's like a 20, 30 minute walk from the Capitol building. He gave a speech there where he told people to go protest peacefully. Before he was even done speaking, like rioters, whatever you want to call them, the, uh, there were rioters at, at, at the Capitol on January 6th. The vast majority of the people were not rioters. We're not interested in any violence, but we've seen on tape that there were people there interested in committing acts of violence and acts of vandalism. And as we've talked, as, as I've talked on the other podcast before, Ray Epps, it's very clear from video evidence that right before they pushed down the barricades, Ray Epps whispered in someone's ear. And then something like 30 seconds later, he was pushing his way up to the Capitol. We know that there were people there, bad actors, looking to commit violence, looking to commit acts of vandalism. It's not possible for them to have heard Donald Trump's speech. Anyone who's ever gone to the National Mall, you know that when there's a lot of people there, whether it's for an inauguration or a protest or a rally or whatever, your cell phones don't work. Your cell phones don't work. There's just too many people trying to ping the tower at the same time. Even on Donald Trump's inauguration when I was there, I was having a hard time finding people because the GPS wasn't working. Cell towers weren't working. They were overwhelmed. There is no physical way that anything Donald Trump said at the ellipse, 20, 30 minute walk away from the Capitol. There's nothing he, he could have possibly said to have influenced the people who decided to push down the bike um, the, the bike racks that the police were using to block off the Capitol and start punching police officers. And they started before he'd even finished speaking. Richard Burr didn't care. Richard Burr still voted to convict. He looked at the evidence. He looked at the record of Donald Trump saying, go protest peacefully. And he believed that that was criminal activity. So no, I do not trust Richard Burr. One bit. I do not trust Richard Burr at all. And neither should you. Again, there, is, there are a few things more dangerous than a Republican who has already announced his resignation or announced his retirement, being forced to, to vote on something very, very important. So I've talked about Portman. 
the last one on this list, I'm on my list. I'm sure there's going to be others, right? If, if this dam starts breaking and Susan Collins isn't the only one and, and other Republicans start jumping ship, I think the dam could break and you could see other Republicans say, hey, it's a, it's a bygone conclusion. I want to get my name in there so history remem- remembers me kindly because the history books are written by Democrats. The other one up there on the far right, bottom right, is Pat Toomey. Pat Toomey is the Republican senator for Pennsylvania. Pat Toomey is retiring. He's done. He's not seeking re-election. Again, same rules. Pat Toomey cannot be trusted. And it's not just on this, right? Throughout his career, Pat Toomey has sided with Democrats on a number of issues that should should have disqualified him long ago from ever winning a Republican primary in the state of Pennsylvania. Sorry, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you remember the gun control bill that they were pushing in 2013, the gun control bill that would have forced every American to notify the government anytime a firearm changed hands, that was called the Manchin-Toomey bill. He teamed up with Joe Manchin to, to write this gun control bill. He is no friend of conservatives. He is no conservative himself. He is an old guard Republican. You have to ask yourself, do you trust Pat Toomey? Do you trust Pat Toomey to do the right thing and to vote against this person? He has nothing to lose. He doesn't have to worry about running for re-election. Frankly, chances are his... His career prospects after leaving Congress, chances are he, he would want to be seen as someone who voted for Judge Jackson. But he's number eight on the list. He, he's up there with Lindsey Graham. I mean, I, I think Lindsey Graham is the most likely to vote no, just because he's been doing so many Fox News appearances. But at the same time, you can't trust him. You can't trust that snake. You, you saw what he did with Donald Trump. You saw, I mean, I don't think we, I've ever even covered this. All of the bad decisions that Donald Trump made, not all of them, but many of them, when you trace back who was telling him to do it, more often than not, you find Lindsey Graham whispering in his ear. Like, like Lindsey Graham urging Donald Trump to, to sit down for an interview with, with Woodward. Then Woodward comes out with this tell-all book, makes Donald Trump look stupid. Never should have sat for the interview. But it was Lindsey Graham who was encouraging him to do it anyway. I don't know where we go from here. I mean, we watched those hearings. I covered those hearings. You watched them. I know you saw all the sound bites. You know what this woman represents. She refused to comment on things like gun control. She refused to comment on things like abortion, things that you know, I mean, you know, you know where she stands. Just because she wouldn't say it doesn't mean you don't know where she stands. How could you possibly, as a Republican, as someone who claims to be a conservative, vote for this woman? I mean, I hold, I hold them in the same light as I hold people who claim they are conservative and also voted for Barack Obama. I know many people voted for Barack Obama, but I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing that someone was a true conservative. See, that's that fallacy again. But I have a hard time believing that someone was deeply pro-life, deeply pro-gun, deeply pro-border border security, deeply pro-small government, deeply pro-lower taxes, right? You go down the list. I don't understand how anyone could have those beliefs, truly hold those beliefs, and have pulled a lever for um, Barack Obama in 2008. I, I, I can't see it. And if you did, I know there's some people who have. If you got swept up in it, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But I, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom a conservative voting. I mean, this is the same as here. Just as I cannot fathom a conservative, a, a, a actual conservative, 
who believes conservative things. Just like I can't fathom them pulling the lever for Barack Obama, I also can't fathom any Republican, elected Republican, voting to confirm this woman. It goes against everything you believe. It goes against everything you claim to believe. How can you claim that you are pro-parent's choice? Right? How can you claim that you are pro-parent's choice? Or how can you claim that you support they support the bill that was just signed into law in Florida, outlawing the teaching of transgender sexual lesson plans to kindergartners, to first graders, second graders, third graders. How can you claim that that's anathema when you know that Judge Jackson in her private time was on a board helping run a private school, I think it was a friend's school, where she was advancing critical race theory, where she was advancing these same kind of twisted lesson plans that we all are fighting to get rid of in our school systems. I mean, at some point you have to make a stand. At some point you have to say no more. At some point you have to say, yeah, sure. She's historic. Yeah. Black female. I get that. But in my heart of hearts, I cannot bring myself to vote for her. And that's up to all of us too. We all have that same job whether it's during the primary season or during the general election or during a special election, we all have that same job. And it's not just whether or not you're going to pull the lever. It's also whether or not you're going to get off the couch, call, uh, leave work early to make sure you get to the polling place on time to vote. I mean, Greg Abbott was run, just, just won his primary here in Texas. I can't stand Greg Abbott. Can't stand him. I can't tell you how many people I talked to felt the same exact way, but didn't vote because they felt it was just going to be a given that he was just going to waltz right in and, and no one could stop him. Well, by that logic, I mean, you, you never know. He won by a pretty sizable margin. So I think he probably would have won either way. But it's not just whether or not you vote for a candidate. You have to vote. You have to get out there and you have to volunteer. You have to, you have to hit the pavement. Donate to good candidates, good organizations that actually espouse conservative values. I said again, donate to good organizations that actually promote conservatism. Not whatever the latest theory is in the day. That's how we take this country back. Together, and for years, I've ended every podcast with the fight to take back the country isn't over yet. The only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. It's true. It's true, but the one thing missing from that line is what we're fighting for. We're not just fighting for an outcome. We're not just fighting for Joe Biden to be removed. Right? We're not just fighting for Nancy Pelosi to lose the speakership. We're not just fighting for Chuck Schumer to le- lose the majority leader position in the Senate. We are fighting for the ideals. We're fighting for the positions. We're fighting for our kids to make sure that they can at least get to fourth grade before some radical teacher starts, starts trying to groom them to become transgender. I, I, saw, I saw a story out of Austin. I couldn't believe it. Let's see if I can grab the, the image. But there's a teacher in the Austin Independent School District who claims that in her class of 32 students, in her class of 32 students, that 20 of them have come out as either being gay, transgender, or whatever the plus sign is that they put after LGBT nowadays. Actually, I think it's gotten longer. What's it? L-G-B-T-Q-I-A-A? I don't know. A-B-C-D-G-A-Y? I don't know the acronyms anymore. They keep getting longer. The plus. 
the, the pluses. She claimed that 20 out of 32 of her students were either gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, or any of those other pluses. The, the national average for people who identify as LGBT is somewhere around 5-6%. So we're, we're led to believe that in her class, almost two-thirds of the students identify as gay or the pluses. In a country where that average is usually is 5%. And she claims that there's no grooming involved. That nope, they just decided on their own. These third or fourth graders just decided on their own. Had nothing to do with her. But then she also criticizes the, the Florida bill. I find that so interesting that the same people who say that grooming is not occurring are the loudest opponents to the bills that ban grooming. Well, if, if it's not happening, why do you care? If teachers aren't trying to enroll students in these lifestyles, why do you care whether it's, whether it's outlawed or not? Why do you care? You shouldn't. You see what Disney said? I don't want to get too off topic, but this fits because there are Republicans who are going to vote for this crap. Disney announced that they are going to start fighting to repeal the law in Texas. Ron DeSantis had a great response. It was that he does not answer to Hollywood. He does not answer to special interests. He does not answer to big corporations. He answers to the people of Florida and the people of Florida elected their legislators to do this. He signed into law and he doesn't care what Disney says. That's real conservatism. That's, that's understanding that you're going to get heat for something. Understanding that they're going to criticize the hell out of you in the press. Understanding that you're going to be the poster child for, for what the left claims is everything wrong with the Republican Party. Understanding that your life is going to be a living hell, but knowing that you, you feel so strongly on an issue, you have no choice but to do the right thing. That's what we need. We don't need the Pat Toomey's, the Roy Blunt's, the Lindsey Graham's, the Mitt Romney's, the Susan Collins, the Lisa Murkowski's, the Rob Portman's. We don't need them. We do not need them. I keep forgetting Richard Burr. I keep leaving him out. And Richard Burr. Hate you too. <laughs> we don't need that kind of Republican. And yet we're surrounded by them. Make no mistake. We are surrounded by them. I'm not just talking about these guys. Ben Sass, Ben Sass brings it. He brings it during these hearings, right? But how many times was he siding with the Democrats when Donald Trump was in office? How many times was he clutching his pearls saying that Donald Trump offended his delicate sensibilities, offended his Nebraska values? Heard it time and time again. It's not just these guys. It, it's all up and down. Now, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz has gotten a lot better. Donald Trump taught Ted Cruz how to be a winner. Before Ted Cruz ran against Donald Trump in 2016, Ted Cruz was robotic. He was awkward. He made people uncomfortable. There's a video of him leaving a campaign bus, trying to give his daughter a kiss, and she is forcibly trying to push him away. I get it. Half the time I try and give my son a kiss, and he says, ew, gross, and runs away. I get it, but the look that Ted Cruz gave after that denied kiss on the cheek was just such a creepy smile. It, it, it haunts my dreams to this day. I need to, I have a stream deck set up now so I can easily just quickly trigger cuts and stuff. I have to get that on here. There's a few things I need to just get on here on speed dial 
bring up because that haunts my dreams to this day. He used to be so wishy-washy. Yeah, he, he stood strong on certain conservative issues. He was more talk, less action. And when he actually, when actually came time for action, he made people very uncomfortable. He, Donald Trump taught him how to win, right? Marco Rubio, Marco Rubio should be up here, right? Marco Rubio should be up here. If it wouldn't have been awkward to make this nine, I probably would have put Marco Rubio up. Marco Rubio claims to be a conservative, claims to be a conservative. And yet after the Parkland shooting in Florida, Marco Rubio went on the record saying that he supported legislation to raise the minimum age to buy a gun from 18 to 21. Out of nowhere, unprovoked, he said he supported the notion of stealing a God-given natural right from adults, 18, 19, and 20-year-old adults, some of whom have families, some of whom have mortgages, some of whom have Car, like car payments, I mean, many of have, have car payments, but they are functioning adults with families, right? Teen pregnancy is real. Telling an 18-year-old, okay, you have a child, you live in a bad neighborhood, but guess what? Because some school kid shot up his, his classmates, you no longer have your God-given right to self-defense. Wait a couple of years, buddy. That was Marco Rubio. And I don't even want to get into all the allegations of Marco Rubio and his bubble parties. Um... I, I know you all have seen the, was it Madison Crawford? Was it, was it him who, uh, who, 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 who came out the other day and talked about all of the weird sex parties? One of the Republicans, um, I'm going to look it up. I don't, I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, he said, basically it was like house of cards that they were Madison Cawthorn, Madison Cawthorn. I almost got that right. Madison Cawthorn. Um, he came out and said that, Washington, D.C. is truly like the show House of Cards. There are deviants in the Republican Party who are having orgies, who are having, just doing copious amounts of drugs. They're trying to get him into it. No, this is the swamp. When Donald Trump called it the swamp, he was spot on. He was absolutely spot on that these people are swamp creatures. What do you do with swamp creatures? Well, if you, live in, if you live down the bayou, you know what you do to swamp creatures. You'll hunt gators. <laughs> you live in the Florida Everglades. You know what you do when you see a python wiggling along the side of the road. You kill it. And then you submit it for a bounty of Florida wildlife. Which, by the way, I don't watch a lot of TV. But one of my favorite shows are the shows that, that follow these... <laughs> They, these redneck huckabucks kind of people going around hunting pythons for sport and for the bounty. Uh, I forget the name of that show, but um, it, it's one of my favorites. I, I, can, I could binge watch that for hours. People hop, hopping out of rusty pickup trucks and wrestling pythons in the Everglades. You know what you do with swamp creatures, right? You know what you do when you have an invasive species threatening your way of life. That's what these rhinos are. That's what these Republican traitors are. You have to treat them like an invasive species. And I'm not saying literally kill them. Trust me, I've gotten enough arguments over the past year about how we shouldn't be advocating violence. But you remove them. And not every invasive species gets killed. You remove it to its natural habitat. These people belong on MSNBC. These people belong on CNN as commentators. They do not belong in the Senate or in the House of Representatives with an R next to their name. 
They don't. The people of this country, Republican voters, Republican constituents, deserve better. They deserve much, much better than this. So we're going to have to see. For all I know, I, I, don't, I turned off notifications on my phone and on my browser so it doesn't make a noise while I'm broadcasting. We'll have to see. For all we know, maybe more of these people have already caved. Perhaps there's others that aren't on my list of eight. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, but on issues like this, we can't just accept defeat. Like me telling you that there's already 50 Democrat votes and now they just have 51 from Susan Collins. It's really easy to feel defeat. It's really easy to look at that and say, oh, it's over. We lost. There's nothing we can do. But the minute you do that, you lose so much more than just this fight. Because these people think that they can get away with it. These people think that they can betray you, stab their constituents in the back, and that you'll just, just sulk for a little bit, get back, to your, get back to your life, and move on. I mean, that's what they're counting on. They're counting on you not paying attention. Someone just in the, con in the comment section said, Guardians of the Glades. Yes, that is the show. <laughs> they're counting on you, on you moving on. They're counting on you having a shorter memory than the news cycle. And you can't let them have that. You can't let them get away with it. You have to push back. You have to call your congressman. You have to send letters. You have to send emails. I, I know that it's time consuming. And I know that you can feel like it's, it's not actually accomplishing anything. But they do. For every one letter, for every one email, for every one call, these offices, the people, run, the staff running these congressmen and senators' offices, assume that there's a thousand other like-minded people at home who think the same way. So yes, 50 people calling in on a topic makes them presume that there's 50,000 people who feel the same way, but for whatever reason didn't bother to write them about it. These people get away with this because we stay silent. These people get away with this because we don't hold them to account either on a day-to-day -day basis, right? In, in making sure that they feel the pressure, they feel the heat, or at the polling booth on primary day or general election day. They, they do this because they know they can get away with it and they can get away with it because for 20, 30, 40 years, we have let them. But how about we don't? How about we don't let them get away with this? How about we don't let them get away with confirming a radical leftist to the Supreme Court? Not going to go back over all the things that she believes, but you know what they are. Do not just go about your day. If, if, I, can, if I can encourage you to do anything today, it is to pick up the phone and call your senator. Call your senator, even if you just have to leave a message, even if... They just ask you, do you support or do you not? Do it. Pick up the phone and call. Pick up the phone and call because if you don't, that's how they get away with it. They'll assume everyone's fine. Everyone's fine with it. Well, we are almost out of time. I want to remind everyone, when we launched, we do have a first sponsor of the show, and that is Prep SOS. Prep SOS is a, um, it's a website that sells different gear to help you prepare for disasters, um, emergency food, uh, water, water purification tablets, things like that. I highly recommend that you stock up on at least some emergency food. We're going into hurricane season, so especially if you live in the Sun Belt, you live along the Gulf Coast or even just the eastern seaboard, I highly recommend that you stock up on emergency food. And my favorite are these Ready Wise. 
um, ready wise food you can get them at prep sos and when you use the link in the description we will get a small commission help me keep the lights on help me grow this show build this show so if you if you want to support the show lots of people have said they want to know how to support the show that link in the description um, at prep sos with my name in it click that make a purchase however big however small um, it does help me grow this channel and uh, and keep the lights on so that is very appreciated also want to give an update my book is almost done this is a book that i've been writing on and off for oh goodness four years yeah it's been a long time um any long term long time listeners of the show you know that back in like 2016 2017 2018 somewhere around then i actually don't want to brag uh to to borrow a donald trump phrase i don't want to be braggadocious which by the way before i get to this if you haven't already read donald trump's press release that he put out about his hole in one yesterday where he says he doesn't want to be braggadocious but then he brags about his hole in one really funny stuff back in 2017 i was actually an amazon bestseller in the very coveted educational ebook section because i published a book that was um a, a 3d printed gun file published in text form basically taking the stl file to print a 3d printed gun saving it as a pdf which you can do any any computer file can be saved as a text document and then uploading it as a book because there was a federal judge at the time who had outlawed the sharing of this file in any way shape or form so i said hey let's show people that this is actually a first amendment issue i published the book became a bestseller and then Amazon banned it. <laughs> so, um, so I'm I'm eager to get back up. the The book will be available on Amazon. It will be available in brick and mortar retailers, and I will be buying a number of copies for myself, um, so I can sign them. And you'll be able to purchase them directly from me, um, so I don't have to pay these other other big companies commission. And then I'll send it out to you. Um, so that's going to be coming. I finished it last night. Now I have to get into the process of editing, formatting. Um, getting a cover design. So it's, it's probably a week or so out, but it's close. And the title is going to be The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument. I want to make this a series. I want to take all the things that I've learned by covering these issues and help you and help other conservatives win these debates because the left is nothing if they are not predictable. Every single talking point that they have has been focus group tested. It has been poll tested. And they bring out the same talking points every single time. If you know them, you can dismantle them. If you dismantle them, you can win the argument and you can win other people to your side, especially if this argument is happening in public or at a party or on social media. So this is going to be a series of books. The first one's on gun control. Second one, I'm not sure whether to make it on race or abortion. Those are going to be the next two. And then we're just going to keep going down the list. And, and as long as people buy the books and, and, and like the books, I'll keep doing them. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time, and I now have the time to do it. So that's going to be coming down the pike. So stay tuned for that. If you want to get updates on, on the book or anything else, you can follow me on Telegram, at Max J. McGuire. There are some people pretending to be me. Um, at Max J. McGuire is how you can find me. Again, I will be setting up a, uh, email, uh, an email newsletter that you can sign up for. I will be setting up a text alert system you can sign up for. And that'll be coming. I just have to set that. I just have to do all that. It gets expensive, <laughs> but I uh, got to do it. Got to do it because I want to grow the show. We hit 160 on the Apple podcast charts last week when first came out. I think today we're hovering somewhere around 200. So again, if you haven't already, please do subscribe on Apple podcast. Leave us a five-star review so we can climb up in those rankings. 
Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Again, if you like it, make sure you subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, all great places. Those links are in the description. We go live Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Probably next week we'll start being Monday through Friday, 1 p.m. So tune in for that on Rumble. I am trying to work out multi-streaming, so we will be going live to DLive, probably a couple other places, maybe even YouTube. See how long we last there. So stay tuned for that. But we go live at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And I promise I will be on time. That is, that is a promise I will make to you. I will be on time and I will try my best not to waste your time and to cover the important information as succinctly as possible because your time is valuable. I get it. I appreciate everyone who's listened to me, who continues to listen to me and who supports me. So that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. My name is Max McGuire. Remember everyone, the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win is if we all step and fight together. 